We're back on the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. You can tell your Alexa to play 1017 The Hammer as well. Over to our Hammerhead Hotline we go, and uh, good friend, spiritual mentor, Tom Dean Hart of GoldenBlack.com is on with us. Uh, Tom, always a pleasure to catch up with you, my man. I, I know you've been very busy. A couple things we want to talk with you about. I, I want to get to the draft here in just a few, but... Um, you know, Monday we had uh, Brian Newbert on, and of course that was a big NIL day that you know we were talking about uh, this craziness. And I know you wrote a tremendous article for Golden Black about uh, collectives um, and, and what Purdue is doing on that front. Uh, and it was a little. This whole thing is just so eye-opening, Tom. And I, I just. Um, you, you had a great sit-down with some of the brass over there talking about the collective. And my understanding is now this thing is on the way for Purdue, right? Yeah, I spoke to, to Deputy AD Chief Operating Officer Ken Halpin, the number two man in the Purdue Athletic Department, Jared, who's really sort of spearheading uh, this a lot of this NIL stuff for the athletic department. And you know, anybody who follows college sports is well aware of NIL and, and the collective to speak of as well. And, and that's and that's the issue that's really created the most anxiety, excitement, angst, fill in the blank with, with however you're, whatever feeling you want there. But that's the entity, Jared, that these schools around the country, some have already established, where it's a group of outside boosters, if you will, or businessmen not affiliated with the university who pool their money together and then they're the ones that can offer these, these uh, you know, NIL deals to, to student-athletes. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, Jared, and Purdue does have one coming. But the problem is is the spirit of, of the NIL rule is being just trampled by some schools across the country, Jared. You know, NIL is not meant to be an inducement in recruiting, and that's really what it's become for a lot of these schools. Um, NIL is there for your student-athletes once they're on campus, then to benefit from the name, image, and likeness. But, again, um, this thing's gotten way out of the barn. It's been a wild, the wild, wild west here. Nobody's watching the shop. There's no rule enforcement. So schools like Miami are doing whatever they want with this thing. And and, uh, and if it remains like this, and if schools like Purdue, which I was told by Ken Halper, they're not going to get in that game, Jared. They're not going to set stacks of money on the table and say, what's it going to take to get you to Purdue? They're not going to do that, Jared. Is that going to leave Purdue at a recruiting disadvantage? I mean, that's I guess that's the conundrum that has a lot of fans worried. Well, that's one of the things that Brian brought up was it seems like the schools that were doing this before it was quote-unquote somewhat legal um, are best set up, to, and, they're, and they're already out of the gates and crushing this. We, we get a lot of people asking, <laughs> well, why isn't Purdue, why is Bobinski so behind on all this stuff? And I, I don't think that they necessarily were. I, I just think that the... People who were cheating before, and let's be honest, Tom, they weren't getting in any kind of trouble to begin with. I, I don't know why anybody yeah. is surprised that nobody's going to be getting in trouble for them doing it now. Yeah, we're sort of seeing how the sausage is made. A lot of times these were bag men. The stuff was done in a clandestine manner. We all knew it was going on, but now this uh, pay-for-play, if you will, Jared, which is the case with some of these schools, is out in the open and, and nobody can punish them. And, um, yeah, you know, pretty, like I said, Purdue's Purdue going to have a collective, Jared. Coming soon. Um, they're working on it as we speak. But, again, it's not going to automatically make Purdue one of these outlaw renegade schools. That's like, like I said earlier, 
that's going to get in the bidding wars for players. They're not going to do that. Ken Halpin made that perfectly clear to me. I think the hope is at some point here, Jared, um, some type of guidelines do get put in place. And uh, this, this, this playing field will level out at some point. But that, there's still anxiety for fans. I know. When is that going to happen? Is that going to be one year, three years, five years? When will some guidelines be put in place? I guess it depends on who you ask right now. So that's, that's the worry. But to Jared, to the NIL point in Purdue, now they do have some vehicles, some instruments already in place. Um, their biggest thing is uh, something called the Boilermaker Marketplace. And it's sort of a, uh, I guess, Internet portal, if you will, where businesses can connect with student-athletes, solicit them for uh, NIL opportunities. They can exchange ideas. They can exchange rates. They can be billed and, and collect payment through this same uh, Internet portal, if you will. So Purdue has that, the Boilermaker Marketplace, already up and running as we speak. But, again, the collective thing is, 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 the, is the one enemy that really has everybody a little uneasy right now and where that's all headed. We're talking with Tom Deanhart here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline for GoldenBlack.com. And the thing that kills me with the collectives, though, Tom, is um, the, it's my understanding that those, quote, uh, those guidelines that were supposed to be there was you're, you're supposed to use NIL to, to help retain athletes. You weren't supposed to be going out there to use that to get these athletes. Well, now everybody's doing that. Um, yeah. And then the other thing, too, was this is the, these collectives are supposed to be completely separate from these, right? But yet yeah. the universities are setting them up. So it's it's so naive to think that there's not uh, coaches or, or that kind of stuff along the way, somewhere in the process, helping to direct this stuff. Um, and yet here's the NCAA as usual. It's a head in the sand, la, 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 la. I'm not hearing any about this. It's happening until they're forced, until somebody makes them do something about it. Yeah, well, as we speak, the NCAA is in the in the midst of a, a massive transformation that, that's still taking place. And when they emerge, Jared, this is going to be an entity that runs championships. It's not going to really be an enforcement body there. So, um, yeah, again, to your point on on the collectives and, and NIL in particular, yes, you're right. NIL cannot; it's not supposed to be used, like I said, as a recruiting inducement. And Jared is also not supposed to be used as as an inducement to keep somebody on campus either. Um, so, again, um, that's where we're seeing the rules really stretched here. Oh. Now, as far as any wink-wink cooperation between collectives and university coaches and administrators, i got to imagine something that goes on, Jared. Uh, you know, they they, they got to communicate with the school and say, hey, what, do you, what players are you interested in? Who should we approach with, with, with NIL opportunities? I'm sure some of that goes on. We know it's not supposed to. I'm sure it probably does, but you're exactly right, though. Officially, these collectives are not set up by the universities and not run by the universities at all. They're, they're totally separate entities from the universities, and that's how they're supposed to operate. You also had a great article this week. Uh, you got to speak to a, a scout friend in the NFL here, and I know you got yeah. to run down on guys like George, on, on David Bell, and, and Xander Horvath. Um, this process has changed just so dramatically since pro day to where we're at, I, I thought George was maybe like a top 10, top 15 guy. I know they have him late in the first round now. David Bell, I thought, was maybe like a, a late second round kind of guy. Now they're talking like fourth round for him. Uh, this this fluctuates, and I think the George thing upset me a little bit just because, you know, I think we all think so highly of him, but at the same time, you're like, they're still telling you you're one of the 32 best players in the class. You're going to play at the highest level. Some criticism is going to be warranted no matter who you are. 
Um, and sometimes I think they're being too critical. But uh, what was the overall sentiment about uh, some of Purdue's uh, biggest uh, draftees here when you're talking to your recruiting buddies? Yeah, just um, just like you said, being a first round pick, first or thirty second is a heck of an honor, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a big story on George that goes up on the site tomorrow, which is of course the first day of the draft. And we're gonna have we got we're gonna have somebody in Las Vegas to shoot some video, of George. Hopefully, get that on the site too on Friday and interview with Carl Office. But um, yeah, you're right, Jerry. You know, I think um, you know George, like you said, probably anywhere from 15 to 32 in the first round. There's some pretty good edge rushers in this draft. Um, you know, uh, you look at most of the projections, and there's there's five that are supposed to go in the first round, and George is always sort of picked to be the fifth guy among the edge rushers to go. Of course, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan is supposed to be a top five pick. The kid from Oregon, you know, Florida State, Georgia, or some of the other schools with big time edge rushers. But you know, George brings obviously a lot of great physical tools to the table. Um, not super long. Doesn't have a lot of twitch, Jared, but he's relentless and a hard worker, and uh, he does have some bend to him as well. I think he's a guy, Jared, that could even slide inside and play a little bit of tackle if he can gain some weight. I guess the one thing about you can see uh, with Carl Loftus that I think says a lot is, is you really know what you're going to get each and every game. There's that consistent effort from Carl Loftus. He's got that desire, that work ethic, and that, and that want to. I think that he's not going to change, Jared, once he gets more money in his pocket. Uh, he still seems like he's, he's very motivated. And, you know, he may not be a superstar in the NFL, but I think he's the kind of guy that's going to play eight to ten years and be a very solid and good end. What about David Bell? Uh, I mean, yeah. I know I know everybody just looks at the 40 time, but there have been plenty of high-caliber wide receivers that run a 40 time like that. He's probably one of the best route runners in the draft as well. You know the tape on him. Uh, he's a good egg, solid. He's, he's not, uh, he doesn't come off like a diva wide receiver or anything like that. Yeah. We, we know yeah. there's a lot to like in him, but it just seems like to me that everybody is uh, negging this guy all the way down to make it look like he's going to be this huge steal in the fourth round. It seems like he's a third-round talent, but nobody wants to take him in third round. They want him to be like a steal on day two, and that's just, man, that's that's tough for me. What, what are they saying about uh, David Bell? It could be day three, Jared. Oh, no. Second, yeah, well, you know, second and third round on Friday, and then he finished the draft up on Saturday with four through, what, seven, I believe. So maybe he goes in the fourth or fifth round. I don't know. Um, you know, you've been an NFL fan for a number of years. I know that, Jared. Uh, you love your Steelers. And, uh-huh. and you, know, the, you know the NFL falls in love with measurables, right? Oh, yeah. And they're, they're always going to err on the caution of guys who check all the boxes they like. And one of the big boxes is always speed explosiveness, athletic ability. And David Bell is just not a real explosive athlete on, on the edge, not super fast. Like I said, not, not super explosive as far as being a big play guy who's going to run by people. But I think you summarize a lot of his strengths very well. You know, uh, number one, you said he's a good egg. He's a great teammate. He's a great person at a position known for having divas, the kind of guy you want on your roster. Um, you talked about route running, exceptional route runner. Tremendous hands. He's tough. You know what? Also, Jared, about David Bell, it's very appealing. Is, is you watched him play for three years, and that guy made a lot of big catches and big moments in big games. And you can look like a million dollars running routes against air during workouts in indoor facilities in February 
whole other ball of wax when you get that spotlight of game day on you and, and big moments where guys are trying to take your head off in third and six and you got to get a first down. And David Bell made a lot of those big catches. So while he may not sign on draft day, don't worry about it because he's going to get on a roster. He's going to make a team. He's not going to be a number one receiver, but I think he's going to be a guy that, that has a nice role for a team as a second or a third option for a number of years. And then, you know, we talked uh, a lot about, I know you in the article we talk about Xander Horvath, and it, and it seems yeah. like that, you know, fullback, is it, maybe that's his role, and there's just not a whole lot of those running around the NFL anymore. They just don't have him in there. They opt for those extra, uh, you know, um, wide receivers instead. But uh, anybody else on the defensive side? And I know we had a couple guys test really well at Pro Day, and, and maybe that there were some rumblings that they could possibly end up getting drafted. Are we hearing about anybody else who might be a sleeper? Yeah, first Horvath, like you said, he may be a guy who sneaks in, Jared. Boy, you talk about a specimen. Uh, it's all going to be about fit for him, right? Mm-hmm. He talked about fullback. Well, you know, Xander can do a little bit more than just be a fullback. He can. He was a one-back running back, and he's got he's got sneaky athletic ability as well. Can help you on special teams, but teams may feel, Jared, they don't need to use a draft pick to get him. Um, but if maybe somebody falls in love with him and grabs him late. Uh, the same could be said for, I think, maybe DeMarcus Mitchell. Maybe. I think it's a super long shot that he gets drafted. And you want to talk about a guy who looks like Zeus walking out of the tunnel. I mean, this guy is right from central casting as far as being an NFL outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense physically. Um, the one thing about DeMarcus is just consistency. What are you going to get? You know, I talked about you always knew what you going to get with George Karloffis every down, every Saturday. That was the opposite with DeMarcus Mitchell. You just didn't know what you were going to get from him. The type of effort, was he going to be healthy as well? So, again, just a lot of question marks still surround him, more from a mentality standpoint than a physical standpoint. So, um, like I said, maybe somebody falls in love with him and takes him late. I don't think he will get a pick, but he will be in a camp. I think the same will go for Jalen Alexander. I don't think he's going to get picked, the linebacker who led Purdue in tackles last year, but I think Jalen will find his way into a camp. And Jackson answered. Let's, let's root for Jackson answered, right? Um, I hope he gets in a camp and gets a chance maybe to, to impress him. But because who knows, right? Maybe he's the next Danny Amendola, right? <laughs> uh, I think he would like that. That would uh, definitely work out. There's some perks of being Danny Amendola. But, yes. Sure. I mean, absolutely. Could always rooting for that young man. Uh, just like we oh, did yeah, when you know Danny went out there, too. I know he did the Colts camp and everything, too. And uh, you, yep. you'd like to see a tough guy like that. Plus, you know, we're going to have two competing spring football leagues, too. I mean, there are opportunities yeah. if it doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, Tyler Witt's one other guy, the guard, from who just came to Purdue for one year. He came from Western Kentucky, started the right guard last year for, for Purdue. I don't think he's going to get drafted. He tested pretty well, Purdue's pro day. He ran pretty well for, for his size, and he, he may be just a camp guy, but um, I think he may be hard-pressed to make a roster. But that's, that's one other guy for Purdue fans to keep sort of on their radar. Very excited for the draft, which is tomorrow. Tom Deanhart, GoldenBlack.com. Can keep an eye out for that George article tomorrow. Uh, he does a great job of uh, covering Purdue, especially football for you guys. Tom, buddy, it is always a pleasure. Got a little bit smarter. I feel like I'm prepared for the draft and everything as well. Buddy, uh, we'll catch up again soon. Take care, my friend. Be good. Thanks, Tom. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. You know, I got more Hammer Down show for you next on 